I'm back. To regular listeners, sorry for the delay. I took a little time out to get married. But trust me, it'll be worth the wait. This week, I'm joined by Martin Drake Knight, who started T-Mail with his brother Rob in 2009. Together, they have created a first-of-its-kind circular economy for T-shirts. That means every product sold comes back when it's worn out to be turned into a new T-shirt. And the whole process is ethical and green from field to final sale. Sound Advice Get Year One in Business Right is brought to you by Sage. We love bringing you stories like this one. The brothers started this business with just £200. Today, Mark will share how they went from building robots in a shed with old eBay parts to running a high-tech printing-on-demand business with customers like Google and the BBC. So, Mark, thanks so much for joining me. Are you on home turf? Are you in the Isle of Wight right now? Just down by the Needles at the moment, and it's sunny, which is good. Oh, nice. That is amazing. And you surf as well, so you get, like, the ultimate work-life balance. Yeah, it's like a um, full-time surfing company, part-time working. (laughs) It's quite a lot. (laughs) No, it's a good, it's a nice place. I mean, you can, it's a good thing about the internet, I think. You know, you can work somewhere like this if you want, um, and you can still grow a a meaningful company because you can reach lots of people in the world, but you can base it wherever you are. And for us, this is just home. So tell me then, how did the journey of T-Mill start? So we're in 2009. Take me back to the origins of the business. It's it's, it's always nice to sort of talk about it because I think when you're busy, um, you know, growing your business, you sort of, we're we're pretty bad at, uh, if we were doing it again, I'd probably take more photos. Um, We're quite, sometimes quite bad at sort of stopping and remembering these things. Um, We were in a garden shed in Lake, uh, which is on the east of the Isle of Wight, and my mum and dad's garden shed. And uh, we were like, we would, we, I was 19, my brother's 21. It was 2009, so there was like no jobs. Um, and we were just, I think, really naive, and which was quite helpful. And we just looked at like the clothing industry and thought it was a massive problem. We wanted to do something about it. So what made you think about the clothing industry, though? Because I remember being 19, 20, and I just was not focused on anything altruistic whatsoever. So what what focused your minds on that? Well, the clothing industry generally, like uh, something like 60% of clothing is made out of plastic. And three out of five T-shirts bought today will be thrown away within a year. And of that, uh, most of that's, um, you know, landfilled incinerated so you've got a dump truck a second of what is basically plastic textiles waste getting getting burned or buried and that's just completely unsustainable i don't know if it was altruism per se or um or that came from like a well-meaning place we just thought it was stupid and and uh like i said we're kind of naive and we just sort of like well why don't we just make clothes from natural materials not plastic use renewable energy instead of fossil fuels and like surely you could make clothes from old ones like recycling that's surely that works um and and we've we just decided that we'd we'd have a go and i think probably the most uh important thing was we just couldn't buy the products that we wanted to see in the world so we just thought well why don't we just make some and we we i, I suppose we got started and that's when the, that's when the problem started well wait you make it sound easy so what was your first goal like i suppose you were in the sheds what was the first thing you bought or what was the first thing you did to get this business off the ground well like i said we had like 200 quid uh, we bought some business cards, actually. That's the first thing we did. It was completely stupid. I think it cost us like a hundred quid. So we had like no money left. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know why we did that. I think you just think it's a stereotype, isn't it? And that was like one of the first things we learned, like just because everybody's done it that way, especially when it comes to sustainability, because everybody doing it a certain way is kind of the reason why it's such a big problem. Um mm. 
Anyway, not having any money or any resources was actually really useful for us. Um, I actually am a big advocate for like the, basically like the zero pound startup because it, it, it's, in, in sustainability, it's really relevant because it makes you be really resourceful and quite innovative when it comes to materials and designing out waste and increasing the utilization, making more of what you've got, which is one of the most important things about the business of tomorrow, I think. So yeah, we just, we just mm-hmm. were like, see if we can make some t-shirts. Um, we didn't have a website. We like probably need to learn how to do that. Can't afford to do that. So we've got to learn how to code. So just Google that. Um, can't design t-shirts. I'm not very good at drawing. Probably just Google that. <laughs> um, and then we had this idea, I think, uh, which was that we would try and make products after they've been ordered. And so that was probably the first good idea that we had. And how did you do that? Did you, I've seen notes about you taking an Epson printer and then trying to pimp it with like extra parts. What was that all about? Well, this is the thing. The thing about having not much money to spend is it forces you to, like I say, like get hands on, understand, you know, how businesses work, where stuff comes from, how they're made. And the, the thing is, it's a lot of people talking sustainability about questions like who made my crows. It was quite a good one. It was like, it's like, uh, but it really, you're not really interested in, how businesses work you kind of want to go and find out so you can change it and make a better one so we looked at how Mm -hmm. t-shirts are made and it's just completely insane so you have these screen well it's basically screen printing you kind of like cut a hole in a mesh you smush ink for it one color at a time uh so there's lots of work to set up the presses and lots of waste and you you have it only makes sense to order hundreds at a time so literally at this time there's only one choice which was mass production and therefore we have a system that um is built around mass consumption and we were like this is stupid you should only you should make it in, you should be able to make it in full color uh in real time one at a time with no setup and only make what people need when they need it without any waste and actually we didn't know it at the time but it's quite a good idea because 40% of all clothing production is uh not utilized basically companies uh, make clothes on speculatively on mass and like 40 percent just goes straight through never sold in the bin it's crazy so by 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 designing out that waste we saved 40 percent uh you know the equivalent of 40 percent what is effectively dead stock cost and then we could really we could Mm. we sort of could see a return and use that efficiency to invest in other things like renewable energy organic materials so to do that yeah we needed to build a new type of factory so how do you print right now we manufacture all our own stuff there's there's probably about uh, I think there's five or six T-mill facilities now. A couple of them are like um, sort of like there's a network of factories. Each one's about the size of a football pitch. Two on the Isle of Wight, one in Europe, uh, two on the um, on the mainland. Um, and it's like a, like uh, serious. <laughs> when we first started, uh, we were just trying to make our own machines. Um, actually, we used to cycle down the road to a guy every time we got an order. We'd cycle down the road to borrow this machine this other guy had to do one part and then cycle back to the house to do this other bit it's just mad but but i guess what it taught us was it was it is possible to make things in real time it's kind of just like it's like an office printer but like with t-shirt inks in it but then we wrote the code to automate parts of it now it's more advanced and we've invested in the technology and it's we, we you know we can print it uh, print um two full color t-shirts uh you know in less than time it takes to make a cup of tea um but what's yeah what's different is that we only make what people need when they need it just through the through the use of technology and so i suppose 
the thing that has made our business, the thing that came out of that kind of resource constrained problem was we needed to develop new types of technology to change the way that clothes are made so that it can be made very efficiently. And it's those efficiencies that have driven the growth of the business. It's just fascinating because you, you often hear people say that, you know, you need to develop new technologies and it sounds kind of quite highfalutin and quite terrifying. But now what you've explained is that you you created a new technology, but you started off by tinkering in a shed with some old printers, <laughs> which is a lot more accessible. So for people thinking about kind of trying to tackle a problem, that's a lot easier of a step to imagine than where you are now, which is like full-scale robotics and all of this high-tech stuff. It all started with this small step. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're so right about that because you say, oh, by the way, if your business wouldn't well, business succeed, you need a fundamentally different uh, technology and completely different supply chain design. And it's like, I can't do that. I'm 19 and I'm from Shanklin. So like, it doesn't work like that. Nothing comes from there. It's a lot of little steps. Um, one of the things that I will say, though, is that it's never been easier. So we were quite lucky because I suppose we were like the first generation that had high-speed internet, affordable laptops, and basically access to whatever knowledge you needed via via Google. And I don't think people, even 20 years before that, had that, um, plus access to the economy in the sense that we could post stuff all around the world from the island. There are some great technologies, like like you talk about all the robotics. So Timor factories are heavily, there's like lots of robotics in them, for example, to automate parts of the packing process to make it affordable for us to design out single-use plastic. But actually, the where tech comes from doesn't have to be from a laboratory or some multinational. Um, the, the, the way that we built our robots was using Raspberry Pis, which are like kids' educational computers. They're like 20 quid. And... We developed this little clip thing that clips onto them that turns a little kid's uh, computer into what is like a ro an industrial robotics controller. And so the people who actually build all of our robots aren't formally trained in that way. They don't, they're not like graduates. They're just, in fact, Adam, who's our, easily our best robotics engineer, he's absolutely amazing, used to work on a farm before he worked in our robotics team. I love that. Yeah. So it's like enabling technologies and actually tech, tech doesn't really do anything. It's what it, it on its own, it just it's just like it's like a chainsaw sat in the corner. You need to pick it up and do something with it. And I don't think enough people are encouraged to have a go. Well, I love this glimpse at how you've treated tech differently. And now can we talk about supply chain? Because you've kind of completely taken a traditional approach to supply chain and shaken it up and then come up with something new. <laughs> how did you do that? How did you create this new relationship with farmers, bring in the organic, bring it up? Just talk to me about how you designed this thing. We, we've used a conscientious approach to technology but the reason we did that there's a reason that we did that is because the business is based on solving a problem i think a lot of people forget that it's like i want to start a business to make money that's not a business <laughs> like businesses are meant to solve a problem for society and profit is society's way of rewarding you for contributing so we were trying to fix clothing one of the things we we realized when we tried to do organic cotton and renewable energy it, <laughs> like i said we're kind of naive we just couldn't believe that we got pushback for trying to do the right thing like it's cheaper to be bad and it hurts to be good surely that's the wrong way around so like so that was that was that you know we are from the isle of white so what do we know but that, that you got to grow up with like oh this is not fair <laughs> um so what we needed to do was to go around the supply chain and, and find efficiencies that would pay for that because you can't wait for like the law to change and uh um 
one of the best ones was the fact that one of our biggest costs was raw material in organic cotton. And if you think about it, we give it to our customer and then they just throw it in the bin when they're done. And it's like, and then you just go and grow some new stuff and pay for it again. It's stupid. Why, why don't you just give it back to me and I'll chop it up and respin it? And so that is, we didn't know it at the time, but that's what people today call a circular economy. And we just, we tried to do that. And it was like, it was quite hard actually. <laughs> but you basically, it's basically that. Like there's a lot of engineering involved and lots of design because you need to design the product from the start to come back and be remade. But basically, every, in short, what do we do today? Every product we make is designed from the start to come back. We pay our customers uh, like money off their next order in return for the material. We use that material, chop it up and make new products from that material. So instead of creating waste, we create a new product from it. So that's, that's a circular economy in action. And fundamentally, it just saves money. It saves money. The customer gets money off the next order and the environment doesn't have a whole load of waste and a whole load of resources that need to be ripped out of it. So it's kind of win, win, win. Mm. And am I, am I also right that you actually have relationships now with sort of the farms that grow the cotton? So even when you do need more of the raw material, it's a lot shorter. You're not kind of dealing with too many middlemen. How did you create that direct relationship? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Actually, the weird thing about this is a lot of the principles of sustainable business, a lot of people think of it as just being more expense. But actually, if you get it right, it's actually kind of cheaper and better. So what most people do is they just buy from a supplier who buys from a middleman, who buys from a distributor, who buys from a wholesaler, who buys from someone on the ground. Whereas if you just go to the field and then just buy it from them, it's you know every, they, you could you could afford to pay them more and you can uh you can get your raw material for less plus you can have conversations with them so yeah we just kind of went and looked you, you get on a plane and just what physically yeah. went like the pair of you got on the plane yeah, we do it all the time put your car keys on yeah. <laughs> well actually here's what you go to organic cotton farm it's amazing so the first time there's this dude called natubi he he and he's just like, his whole family has been growing cotton forever, organically. And like down the road, there's like non-organic farms, like a couple of miles down the road or whatnot, because it's kind of up to you what you do out there. Um, but it's amazing. The amount of insect life is just unbelievable. So they just, it's mostly just cow poo and like co-planting. So you, you, you plant different crops together and the insects prefer the other ones. But then you, you get like less cotton, but you can charge more for it. But because the ground's really clean, they just grow um, like onions and stuff in the dry season. And they're cool. And, and I don't know, you just kind of go there and just talk. And then he's like, oh, yeah, we can we can do this or that. We're, these are the problems that we've got. It's amazing as a designer, you don't realize until you do that just how much responsibility you've got. Because if you're like, no, I need to have sequins, it cascades to cause all of these problems for people all around the world and creates all of these wastes. Whereas if you just go and ask them and they go, you know what, these sequins are a complete nightmare. As a designer, you've got the power to go, no more sequins or whatever. Not that I've ever done sequins. But you know what I'm saying? Like the, des the role of the designer and the brand in this problem is just, I don't know how they've been getting away with it for so long. <laughs> Everyone's just kind of like blaming customers. You need to, you need to buy differently. Um, Whereas like they haven't got a choice. They've just got linear consumption and waste. How's that a choice? So getting out there as a designer, make, meeting these people, collaborating, it's the best part of the job. That is so interesting. So it's almost like in order to make a fit for purpose product, you have to be so connected to the raw material, to the customer, to the whole production technique in order to design the right thing. Nothing can happen 
in a silo, basically. It's all got to be all of that information in one place. A connected system. But most of, before you do that, why are you making the product? And I think people make products without having to work that out. They're just like, I don't know, to make money. It's not good enough. You know, there has to be a reason for this thing to exist in that form. And like, why have you used that material? And why, what, you know, why haven't you questioned that? So it's quite, I suppose in a way, it's been kind of like kind of easier for us because we knew why we were doing these things. But yeah, it's amazing when you going around, it's, uh, going around meeting, meeting the people that do this stuff and then being able to listen to their expertise and respond to it. I think that uh, certainly when we started, this whole thing of like traceability was, I think someone quoted it, what we were doing is like game changing. We just thought it was like common sense. And that's one of those reasons why like naivety sometimes actually quite helpful because whilst in our growth, we've had some great advice from people who've kind of been there and done that. We really benefited certainly early on in having a complete fresh look. You said, Mark, about when you started and you wanted to create this circular economy, you wanted the T-shirts to come back when they weren't worn or wanted anymore. How did you do that bit? And I know you said that you, you did the kind of incentive with money off, but people can be lazy and they can be stupid. So how do you get over those barriers to actually get them back? Uh, it's a great question. Well, what we actually did to start with was design the product so it, so it made sense to us to get it back that's the most important thing if someone makes something with plastic even recycled plastic you know you end up with like plastic going out into the water streams when things are washed and causing lots of environmental problems so the reason why a lot of people don't recover that because the waste is because it's no good so if you design a product so it's kind of like from a uniform material instead of a mixed material where you're trying to kind of like get egg out of an omelet all of a sudden you can look at that as a business owner and go oh, i want that back and when you want it back instead of feeling like you have to take it back you start taking it more seriously and then we just incentivize it with money because I think a lot of people are like saying behavior change is the problem, but I think that's quite lazy to just blame the consumer when they haven't got a choice about the type of, a lot of the ways, a lot of the places where products come from. And so we just incentivize it and said, we'll give you five pounds off your next order. And we made it easy for them. You just scan a code inside the product. You get some automated communications, scan it on your phone, tells you what to do. You get some money. Um, and then you free post it, free post it back. And I guess what we banked on was the fact that what, there's one thing that people never do, which is throw money in the bin. And when people started seeing their wardrobe as something that's money instead of trash, their behavior changed instantly. That's amazing. You're almost, you're like, this is gold. Take this nugget of gold. Oh, you know it's gold. We know it's gold. So no one throws gold away. Uh, it's funny because I wrote some article and I think I might have like, I, 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 which is about that. I was like, we're looking around at these mountains of waste and we just never realized the whole time the mountains of gold this is a gold rush sustainability because there's so much waste everywhere in every industry and all you got to do is design it out and your business is more efficient there's more competitive potentially more profitable and it will grow and tell me about so you've got kind of twin businesses there's t-mill and there's rapa nui am i saying that right yeah yeah tell <laughs> yeah. me about rapa nui uh well when we started we built a brand because like we're just like, <laughs> who doesn't want to build a brand <laughs> uh, when they're like 19, you know? Um, and then we did all of that and we were like, this is actually, actually, you know what? This is all right. This is, might be quite a good thing that we've built here. And we were quite serious at that point because when we realized that we could actually change, fundamentally change the outcome by, with the technology that we've got, we could make products from natural materials using renewables that were designed to come back and be remade without single-use plastic in it. Um, and it was affordable. We knew that we needed to scale it if we wanted, if we were serious about making the difference. Because 
like a big if you're serious about like a really big problem you need a really big solution so that meant that everyone in the world had to wear Rapa Nui and like we were struggling to get everyone in like Shanklin to wear Rapa Nui so we were like we just need to share it um, so we just packaged it all up and put it on the internet as you do and gave it away for free uh, on our platform is Tmail and Tmail just lets anybody build a free website uh, design their own like t-shirts and um, all for free. And when they get an order, uh, our uh, technology or factory systems print them to, you know, in real time, ship them direct to the customer and send them the profit. And now there's like about 10,000 brands from BBC and the radical legend that is Joe Wicks all the way down to like, um, you know, just people like us. What's different is that they can do what took us 10 years in 10 minutes and they start circular from day one. But this brings us back to your point about like you have a problem to solve and it's not about making money because when you're just focused on the problem, it makes absolute sense to give this away for free and let everyone else do this. But if you had like, oh, where's the profit? Where's the margin? What's in it for me? It doesn't make sense. But does that feed, does that feed the, the, the growth of the business? Giving something away for free, is that good for business? It's funny, isn't it? Because it's sort of counterintuitive. But going back to my point, like a business is rewarded with profit because of the good that it does. Like <laughs> the, cu the customer's meant to be better off first and then they pay you. Like that's what is meant to happen. And it's amazing how many businesses will say, well, we need to get paid and then maybe we'll do something for the customer. I was just, it reminds me of like a Dave Grohl thing. He was like, if you want to be a rich rock star, go to the garage and rock. And if you rock hard enough, eventually you'll be rich. But if you want to be a rich rock star and you try and get rich, you'll never rock. The mission is the reason we're here. And that's why we need to make profit to survive, not the other way around. It just doesn't work. And you talked about how you basically find efficiencies in the in the business and that is what pays for the cool shit, like the renewable energy. So talk to me about the renewable side. Am I right that you've now got like a whole solar farm? Talk to me about this sort of renewable energy journey, where you started and where you are now. Well, I was, I was, um, this is, I actually studied renewables. I'm like a, like a, a wind turbine nutter and it was quite frustrating that we just don't do it. This is one of these things is like, from an, it's one of these things like from an engineering point of view, like why do we use coal? Like it doesn't make sense. So we just like direct action because if you've got a business and you've got, that's one of the things that people don't tell you about growing a business. Like if you've got a business and it's successful and you've got power and money, you can do stuff that's whatever you want. And so we just like bought a load of solar panels. And we planted a load of trees as well. We planted a load of trees. I think we've done a million tons of carbon through trees. Uh, yeah, it's quite cool. And I think we've done a, we did a load of plastic recovery. You can just like buy change. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so T-Mill is powered by renewable energy. Uh, I think we're carbon neutral. We just, we just got the Carbon Trust to study it. It Probably by the time this is out, it will be cert certified. But um, yeah, we just use renewable energy. It's a bit more expensive per kilowatt. But then what we do is just do loads of, we have like tech that sort of turns things on and off again. So we have like software that turns factories on and off, lights on and off and stuff that say if, say if renewable is like 15% more expensive, you just, the trick is to, like I said, see it as a connected system and go find those 15% efficiency savers some other place. That's just the thing. It's really not that hard. Like it's almost a slightly disappointing um, answer to your question. So how did you solve the renewable energy problem? I don't know, just sort of like did.
because <laughs> we wanted to. Well, on that point about sustainability, because we've touched on all the things that you do, but I'd like to get a full picture because um, I think it might be quite inspiring for anyone who's starting a business and thinks oh well what are all the things I could do so you mentioned planting trees you've got the solar farm and you buy renewable energy from uh, you know from a provider as well you do the organic cotton you do the circular economy so the cotton gets remade into new t-shirts what else is in that mix you said plastic recovery this is such a great question and David Attenborough's got the answer because obviously this is who we should who should all be listening to. Some kid asked him like, "What should we do?" And he goes, "Just don't waste." And so the thing that's the thing that's there is the, is what's not there. You know, if you can design stuff out, that's the best thing you can do. So in our business, that meant designing out. So, and it can feel quite hard. A lot of businesses. This is a difference in design and decoration. A lot of businesses, when they get their product, they're like, "Here's my product. Here's some packaging. Here's some extra packaging." Um, here's some material, here's like a flyer, here's this, uh, you know, other thing. And they just add and add and add and add. So taking away um, is one of the best things that you can do. And also it's one of the most, it's really cost effective to like not spend money. Um, so we designed our sleeve prints, back prints, something called swing tags, which are like a relic of retail. They're like a sort of like a thing that you tie onto the oh, yeah. and they're annoying. Uh, neck label. Got, got rid of those. Super annoying. Nobody likes them. Uh, neck size labels. Next, get rid of them. And you just try trying to design stuff out is actually quite good fun. So if you can design stuff out of your business and save waste, you save money. And it's, you, you're looking for ways that sustainability and waste. That waste is where sustainability and the economy line up. So if it's, it's like if you Venn diagram, you overlap them. Waste is in the middle. So if you hunt waste, you can you can find a lot of really exciting opportunities. And that I think that's pretty much true for pretty much every business. I should say that includes time. If you save time, it saves money, and then you can use that money to pay for stuff that you literally can't, like physics. Like It is just true that plastic-free packaging, like paper packaging, is 10 times more expensive than single-use plastic. Like That's nuts. So you can't change that because recycling is more expensive than plastic. So, but what you can do is make, say, like in our business, make the packing time much faster, which saves time, saves money, and we can use that money to buy the more sustainable packaging, for example. So go hunt waste. Mm. I'm going to call that Mart's no sequin rule. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, everybody loves sequins, but your time is over. Um, and am I right in thinking that even like the dyes that you use, I mean, you've literally looked at every single element and you've reconfigured it so that it's less wasteful, less impactful on the environment. So what's different about the dye? Um, that's a good question. Like... Uh... So it's like inks and dyes are kind of two sides of this kind of like the chemistry side of things. Um, inks are really interesting problem. We wanted to use water-based inks because they sound better. Then you have like a synthetic or a polymer-based ink, which actually dries with seven, one seventh the energy. So you're like, actually, that is better. But then if you can get that energy from renewables, it doesn't really matter so much. So you go back the other way. So you kind of flip-flop. The course is it's not just like you get up in the morning and go, there we go, done. Some of these are problems for a reason, and it takes some quite... But the trick is to... There's a philosophy we use is like iterative development. So it's not like you're just done. It's constant improvement process. And a lot of the the ideas that we got from Japanese car manufacturing um, books, like there's one called the Toyota Way, which is great. And they've even got their own words for things. And so that one's Kaizen, which is a pretty westernized word, but it's like constant improvement. So you kind of do that with everything. Um, so yeah, it's like water-based inks, kind of um, compatible with the organic standard, which is pretty cool. 
Uh, we're able to do that affordably because we've got renewable energy powered dryers. So, and we generate the power here. So it's basically a dryer for free. But on the dye house, uh, it's actually the water that's the problem because it's so wasteful. They, they yank water out of a river, dye it, and then just kind of treat it and then just pour it back in the river mostly. And I think there's quite a lot of TV programs with like blue rivers and stuff. And so the solution on that one is at the dye house, you recover the water and then you distill it like at school where you distill water and you put it through sand and the water that comes, the wastewater is clean enough to drink. I think there's a video on a website of me drinking it. And then you just reuse the water you've got, which obviously is cheaper. So again, you know, waste, reusing what you got, uh, solves the sustainability problem, saves you money, business can grow. Mm. I remember you telling me nothing can compete with reusability. There's absolutely nothing that's cheaper than reusing, which is why it should just be like the first port of call for any entrepreneur. It's how nature works, isn't it, right? I mean, you know, everything's reused. Everything's got few, ever, waste from one process is, is fuel for the next. Like an old organic uh, biodegradable T-shirt is, you know, a, if it's designed from natural materials and compatible with nature, it's going to be a house for a woodlouse or something. So, in yeah, <laughs> like you, you're you're welcome, Mister Woodlouse. But you're you're like uh, like. But seriously, if me and you have got compete like, to take it in a business context, me and you got competing bicycle brands. Like it doesn't. You might say, well, mine's going to be slightly cheaper. But if they're disposable bikes, right? You, you're pitching like you buy your bike, you drive it to work, you throw it in the bin, you buy it again, you drive it back home, you throw it in the bin, and then I just come in and say, well, my bike's like even if it's five percent more expensive, which doesn't have to be. You don't need to throw it in the bin anymore. It gets reused and reused and reused. I'm going to beat you. So, um, yeah, and, and we're seeing that everywhere from um, like space rockets, SpaceX just dominating because of reusability. And that's what we're talking about with waste. If you're in a business that makes stuff and your customer throws it away, someone in your sector is going to make the link and go, hang on, what they throw away is our raw material Plus, they're our customer. We re-engage re them by getting that stuff back. They'll do it, reactivate the customer, cut their materials cross, cost, and win. What you want to do is make sure that person is you. These people that come to you and build whole T-shirt brands on your technology, are they doing any really cool stuff that's sort of kind of pushing things even further? Or are they, are they doing anything inspirational that you're like, wow, I didn't even think that that was a way you could go with this? Tell me about those stories. That's the best thing about it because, and it's actually, to be honest with you, kind of unexpected, which is sort of dumb, but it's amazing how, that's why the iterative approach makes sense because you can never really fully, you think you're like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. But if you just take it one step at a time and keep trying to improve, all sorts of weird things happen. Like um, some of the brands that are built on there are like awesome. Or people have used it like Joe Wicks made like, I think that they use T-Mill a lot of charities that you see, they made millions of pounds for charity last year. Joe Wicks did something for NHS charities together. It was like tens of thousands of t-shirts, hundreds of thousands of pounds he raised using T-Mill for NHS charities together. Incredible. And we didn't, he just like, we just kind of came into work and it's like, whoa, who's Joe Wicks? There's a big order from <laughs> Joe Wicks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then like a lot of, I think one of the coolest things about it is like, it's like great working with like, it's great when like people who are like really big time use it. Because it, it feels like it's encouraging that people who've got those responsibilities actually do something about it. Because I think it's easy, mm. if you're a young person today, to look around and just think all the big businesses are just like taking taking a biscuit a little bit. But like people like BBC Earth got 
switched all of their merch production for like Blue Planet and stuff to T Mill, and I've just really backed it and stuck by Circularity and really care. And it's like that's encouraging. And then probably the highlight of my career ever is when the Chuckle Brothers built a T Mill store. I was like. <laughs> You can't to top that, can you? you? It's all down. Yeah, it's all down here from here. That was just like the greatest ever. I, like I'm done. I almost just said that's it. You can't get better than that. I'm retiring. <laughs> that's my legacy. Yeah, but but uh, I think I think really what gets me out of bed in the morning, everyone in the team, is when young people are building brands and using it uh, for things that they care about, issues they care about, and that's really what we want to do with the business now. Is just it's meant to just be an enabling technology. And it's just amazing seeing how people are doing it for to do good things. Mm. And then I suppose to inject some of the realness, because this is this is an amazing business, but you talk about this iterative style. So have there been any times when you've got it really wrong? Any like massive mistakes that you had to fix? Can you tell me about any of those moments? Or have there not been anything too earth shattering? Uh, quite the opposite. The whole thing has been a complete disaster from start to finish. <laughs> like, but that's growth. Like, that's what no one tells you. Like, you know, the whole thing is just mistake after mistake after mistake. And if you sort of drew a, a, drew a, drew a graph like XY starting at zero and you want to get someplace, at the start, you're going to be at the end is all of the stuff you've learned. And at the start is all the stuff you're going to learn. You're going to be wrong most of the time most of the time all sorts of stupid stuff i mean it started with the business cards what were we thinking i've probably still got them <laughs> um you know it's an internet business <laughs> what do you need business cards for <laughs> um uh, um and then like you know the place burnt down so that was pretty whoa bad. tell like, me about that, that. Yeah. how did it burn down <laughs> it literally wasn't my fault like uh uh i don't know we're just like we're just things just getting going we got this big factory we 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 were in a shed, then we were in a garage, then we were in a shop, and then we got a factory. It was like a boatyard. It's about the size of a sort of, I don't know, maybe a three or four tennis courts sort of size. And we were kind of like, oh, I think, you know what? I think we might have just about survived. We might actually not go bust. And then I was walking back from lunch through cows, and there was a load of smoke over the uh, top of the town. I was like, oh, there's a fire. Let's go and rubberneck. And so we're like walking down to go and go and be nosy and figure out who's on fire. And it was our building and like everyone's outside. Anyway, it, it wasn't us. It was like next door. Someone was welding next to a barrel of diesel and the whole place went up. And it was the biggest industrial fire on the island, I think, in the last hundred years. It was a huge fire, like seen from space. And it just totaled like, yeah, so that's pretty bad. And then, but wait, uh, wait, know, wait, 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 were you yeah. insured? How <laughs> did you, how did you rebuild from that? That's the kind of question, like, how do we rebuild from this? That's the job every day. It's just like a constant series of obstacles. And that is the way that is the path. So, yeah, I mean, we like had some insurance, but you know, there's like delays. So you need to kind of like call your customers, work with your customers, explain why stuff's not going to arrive try and try and make lemons out of lemonade so we just took a load of pictures and we kind of made a joke about it it's like a you know the film apocalypse now so we like apocalypse cows um and then we like can you please order this t-shirt so we don't go bankrupt we'll send it whenever we've rebuilt it and everyone's like okay <laughs> so so you try and make some sales out of it and i know you just find a way and it's just like that constantly you know constantly non-stop and you make mistakes you know you you, you make mistakes all the time with everything Everything you do, you make mistakes. You make mistakes with technology. You make mistakes with um, with like the team. With with sometimes you might say the wrong thing. The trick is just to be really good. You know, a, a confidence comes from ability. 
ability comes from the things you've learned. The things you learned comes from the mistakes you've made. So you need to be really good at going, okay, I'm wrong. This is a mistake. What am I going to do about it? And and that's that's what you need to do every day. You do that for long enough, you'll get good. And what about your ambitions? Because you talk about this journey. So where is T-Mail, where's T-Mail going to go after this? What is sort of the the ultimate goal? Is there an ultimate goal or is it just to keep going? What what what, what would you love to happen? I think um, if you start with a problem, you're kind of not done till it's not a problem anymore. Um, like if I was appointed CEO of some charity, your goal really is to fire yourself because you're not needed anymore because the root cause of all of the problems that mm. charities had to you know it's gone you know we, we we're not there yet like less than one percent of clothing worldwide is actually recycled back into clothing so we haven't really touched the sides it's pretty bad and um you know still a dump truck a second going to landfill and we're only on you know what you know ton or a few tons um a month or whatever um remade back into our stuff so we need to scale it. What we're trying to do at the moment is working internationally. We've been actually sharing the supply side tech, the tech on the supply side. So we described how we're sharing like the free website and build your own store tech for people who want to participate in the sell side. We're now giving the production technology to other factories who want to modernize and get into sustainability and supply some of these businesses um, in a circular way. So it's been quite fun. So we're just doing one in Prague that's like a sort of franchise joint venture thing just giving them the software the technology and the capability and they're going to fulfill the orders inside the eu and so we'll probably do that i think like <laughs> this team of world tour isn't it next team of la i think is on a whiteboard over there um and i i think just trying to make sure that we live up to like like our the goal, the challenge that we set ourselves is to m genuinely make T-Mail somewhere that really works for our customer and is really good and got awesome tech. So we're building like newsletters at the moment. You can mail or mail, mail your whole um, database. And uh, we'll be really, really just focusing on that. And I think from that, growth will come. And what about going beyond T-shirts? Because you could do lots of other things, Oh, dude, right? you just teed me up there about something I'm so excited about. <laughs> um, jigsaw puzzles. This is everybody in this bit. Actually, it's a divide, a great divide. It's a Marmite subject. Half of the team think it's the best idea ever, and half of them think I'm a total idiot because we built a miniature jigsaw factory. Because T-Mail technology can be used to print anything. Like, it's basically real-time print production to order tech. We just T-shirts are like a major problem, so we built it for that, but you can apply it to other stuff. And we do, we do like stickers okay. and art prints and stuff, but yeah, I just done a T-Mail jigsaw, and I actually got it in this building and it's blown minds so i think you know watch out jigsaw market <laughs> and all, all of your plastic and all of your waste we're coming for you i don't know if that's quite as big a challenge <laughs> as the t-shirt but i love that you're doing it dude it's a hundred million market in the uk jigsaws tell me about it i was, no I was like way right i was i was like sat there like mucking around just just like uh, jigsaws would be funny um <laughs> like your face on a jigsaw like that would be a sick Christmas present. Um, and then I was just like, I'm sure I could build an automated jigsaw factory, like fully automatic. Paper in, jigsaw's out the other end. Uh, and then I designed it just for fun, and I was like, oh, no, this is a stupid idea. And then I Googled it, and I was like, whoa. Oh, Mark, I think that's probably a good place to stop. But my goodness, I feel like I've learned so much, and there's so many useful and practical and totally practicable points in that 
in that chat. And I love that point about can't compete with reusability, look for ways to design out any waste, find the savings and efficiencies and plug that back into making a more sustainable business. There's just there's just so much gold in there. So thank you. Really appreciate it. Oh, no worries. It. Thanks for inviting me on. I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed chatting. I hope you feel as inspired as I do by this incredible business. If you did, tell us either by leaving a review, hitting subscribe, or giving us your feedback on our socials using the hashtag SoundAdvicePodcast. You can find the show notes and lots more about eco startups and sustainability on sage.com slash podcast. If you want to start your own online t-shirt brand for free, visit tmill.com and check out all the cool stuff they've got going on at tmillstore on Instagram. See you in two weeks.